0: If we desire to go further and deeper and want more of a greater relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we want to know God on a much deeper, intimate capacity. God says that He will pour out His Spirit unto us and that the Spirit will reveal all things unto us, amen, that pertain to life and godliness. But I was thinking about Moses when he said, Lord, show me Your face, Lord, show me Your glory. Oftentimes I've wondered, looking at these different pictures that we have of Christ, even some of the greater ones that maybe Da Vinci had drew, you know, when he drew the Last Supper, has a great picture of Christ and what he actually looked like. And he seems to look like a man with a beard. We know that his beard was plucked out whenever he was brought before the Pharisees in that trial that was in the early hours of the morning. So we know for a fact that he had a beard at least for that moment, which was probably customary because most men wore beards at that time, but it does tell us in Isaiah 53 and verse 1, it tells us that there was nothing about his physical appearance that we should desire or that we should behold. So we don't know exactly what our Lord and Savior looks like in portrait. We can only imagine. But church, I want to tell you one day, one day, there is going to come a time when we're going to stand before him. And it tells us that later on New Jerusalem is going to descend and it tells us that His light, His countenance is going to light up all of New Jerusalem. And I want to tell you, church, one day we will see Him face to face and we will behold His glory. And church, it's going to be magnificent. It's going to be wonderful. But church, until we get to that moment, until we get to that day, until we get to that hour, We have this life to live. We have this life to live not only for ourselves but amongst one another. God has called us. He's created us to have fellowship one with another. So we are going to continue to have trials. We're going to continue to have tribulations. We're going to continue to have hardships. But the Bible gives us many great and wonderful promises through that. One that He'll never leave us nor forsake us and that, too, if we allow Him to be sovereign in our lives and allow Him to take control without us mingling in the affairs of the Lord, that He will work out all things in accordance with His will and everything for us that happens will actually turn out, maybe it was meant for evil, but it will turn out for good. So this is the walk, this is the capacity, this is the life that we have to live at this moment. I want to tell you, it's a hard walk. Sometimes it's a very, very lonely walk. In fact, we're, di- we're put in different positions. And I want to tell you sometimes, being in leadership, it can be very lonely sometimes, amen? It can be very lonely. Being the head of your family can be very lonely. Being the mother of the family, being the shepherd of the family, being the father or the mother or the grandmother or the great-grandfather, all those things can be very lonely positions. But I want to tell you, even though you may feel alone, you are not truly alone. Because the Lord alone is our shepherd. And He leads us, He guides us. It is a lonely walk sometimes, but I want to tell you, it is a walk by faith. Church, faith is not only believing in something, that it is real, that it is truth, that it is fact, but it's also trusting in what we believe. It's a two-part word. In fact, faith is an action word. It's not enough just to believe but we also have to trust. And when those two are combined and we begin to actually give unto that and to believe that and to walk and put our lives in accordance with that, that's what the Bible calls faith. And it says the just shall walk by faith. So no matter what you're walking through right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter what is behind you, what is here now, what is going to come tomorrow, and even the months and the years to come, I want to tell you, it's all the same walk, no matter the circumstances, it's still a walk by faith. Church, we have to, have to, have to get our faith right and correct first and foremost in our lives before we can ever progress any further in this relationship with the Lord. This relationship is a great, wonderful, and many things. It's a life-saving relationship, amen? The Bible tells us that we shall never die. It's a life in abundance. It's a life of giving. It's a life of grace. It's a life of joy. It's a life of expectation. It's a life of all those things. But it all hinges on our faith, what we truly believe and what we trust in. And so there's many, many major questions that you're going to encounter in your life that are major questions, they're milestones in your life. Such as, will you take this job that has all of these consequences in relation with this job for maybe the next years in your life to come? Another major question you're going to encounter in your life is, will you marry me? Amen? Will you marry me? Will you spend the rest of your life with me? I love you. I want to be with you. Let's make a covenant. Let's join in this covenant and let's be a couple. Let's make two flesh, one flesh for an eternity. Will you marry me? That's a major question that you have to answer in your life, I mean, when it comes to that point. But I want to tell you there is a greater question than all the other questions that you're going to encounter in your life. It's a greater question, and that's the question that we're going to look at this morning. I'll title this message, The Last Question in the Book of Acts. The last question in the Book of Acts, because it is the last question that is asked in the entire Book of Acts. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to bless this message this morning. And all those that had prayer requests today. Lord, we felt to you, Lord God. We have sought you today, Lord Jesus Lord I desire Lord a fresh move of your spirit today Lord I crave it O oh Lord God Lord it's it's what I live for Lord God is a move of you Lord God in our lives Lord God Lord help us Lord to see to know to understand Lord give us true discernment for all decisions that we would make Help us Lord to see you Lord God in your sovereignty In your grace, in your role as the provider, in your position as Savior, Lord God. Let us walk in your grace right now, Lord God, for this is the time, it is the age of grace. Give us a heartfelt desire, Lord, to speak to others about their condition and about your kingdom, Lord God. Lord, let us be kingdom builders, Lord God within our hearts first, Lord, that leads out to others, Lord. God, let this church, Lord, be a kingdom-minded church, Lord, not focused on individual efforts, but instead focused on the kingdom. Let us build, Lord, your kingdom, Lord. Do it, Lord, through us. So, Lord, because of all that, Lord, and we need you so much, Lord, we desire for you to speak to us today, to instruct us, to teach us all things, Lord, that pertain to godliness, Lord, and life in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask you to anoint me today, Lord, to be the preacher, to be the speaker, to be the shepherd, Lord, of this body. Lord, just anoint me, Lord, with your word, with your message, Lord, with power and with unction and with passion to speak it to your children today, Lord, as we have gathered to hear from you. Lord, let every heart, Lord, under the sound of my voice, be touched, be moved and encouraged, Lord, in you, Lord God, as we ask that most difficult, hard question today, Lord God. And, Lord, all the prayer requests of those that were spoken this morning, Lord, there were numerous ones, Lord, you know exactly what they are, Lord. I just ask that you move in every one of those circumstances. And, Lord, repair those hearts, change those lives, heal the brokenhearted, oh, Lord God. Touch, Lord, those that are infirm right now, Lord God, and help those families, Lord God, in these times of need as only you can. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you and glorify you in all this because it's all about you today, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask, we seek, and we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Turn me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts. The Lord has been taking me to the book of Acts over and over again. I've actually ministered many messages here recently to you out of the book of Acts. We'll be starting off in chapter 24 this morning as we look at the last question that is asked in the book of Acts. We know that the probably Luke is the one who had actually penned the book of Acts. We don't know that for sure, but just based off of his intelligence, we know that Luke was a physician, he was a doctor, that he probably was the author of the book of Acts. Some had said it was others. I personally believe that it probably was... Luke that had this intimate knowledge, that had association with all these different people that began to literally write about the circumstances, write about the things that the early church in its infancy when it was born, what it begin to do, how it began to act upon itself. The Bible tells us that they began to add to their numbers daily, amen? That the church, the body, the works of Christ began to be added to Daily, Every day, new converts were coming, new people were coming, they were giving their lives over, they were hearing the gospel, they were hearing the good news, they were acting upon that, they were giving unto the Lord, amen? A lot of people were even selling off their possessions, they were coming to the fold, they were doing all these things, it was a great and it was exciting time. But I want to tell you, in the great and exciting times in your life, even though things are moving and God's moving in your life, the enemy is always going to come up and the enemy is going to begin to create persecution. Upon you. And the Lord allows this persecution to come. He does not cause this persecution, but He allows this persecution to come so that your faith may be tested, so that growth may occur. It's no secret that the Lord works church through adversity. Amen. If you've ever noticed in your own life, every time things are going good, you may. Praise the Lord just a little bit, but I want to tell you, I've seen this in my own life, and I'm not sitting here wishing that I'm always under persecution. But every time things are just going so good, a lot of times I'm not seeking the Lord as much as I normally do. I'm not walking in the Lord. I, maybe I'm not praising Him as much. And before you know it, persecution begins to come up. And it gets me back into focus of where I should be and who I should be dependent on. Church, I want to tell you this morning, you can't make one thought and you cannot make even one step without the Lord. Whenever you step off on your own, your own strength, your own will, your own might, your own power, your own intelligence, your own wisdom, maybe you think you've accumulated through the years, I want to tell you, when you step out into that yourself, you are walking away from the Lord's grace, and you are walking in your own strength and power. And I want to tell you, you can only tread water for so long. Your strength will fail. But hallelujah, where we're weak, He is strong. And where we think we can't do things, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? If we will just wait on His strength, amen? The Bible tells us that we'll mount up on wings as eagles. We'll be flying over all those problems. They look like just little ants down there before us. The Bible tells us that we will run and not grow weary. We'll be able to sprint. We'll be able to get there fast. We'll be able to do all those things. And we shall keep walking and we shall not faint and fall over we will not grow weary of well-doing and faint and reap not because the lord alone strengthens us he strengthens us and empowers us through all the apostle paul was on his third missionary journey in fact we see the very end of that coming here and i brought up all that to tell you this about the apostle paul he always was functioning in the strength of the Lord. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was tried to kill. He was even left dead a couple of times. They thought he was dead when they walked away from him or he was going to die. But the Lord says, I'm the one that giveth life and I'm the one that takes away life. And Paul understood this. He understood that, you know what, I can die and be in the presence of the Lord and it's great gain for me to be in His presence to be done with all this, but I can keep living if the Lord wants me to and I can keep spreading the gospel and it it can be gained to everybody else amen it can be christ spread continually to everybody else no matter my circumstances no matter my trials and tribulations no matter my hardships i will continue to walk i will move i will live i will think not by my own strength but by faith in the lord trusting and believing in his provision Church, I don't want us to get off into this thought that, you know, we're just chess pieces and God just moves us around. But I want to tell you, there is an enormous amount of truth to that. And I'm not very good at chess anyway, Amen. So it's a good thing that he's moving me, Amen, Because I need some guidance. I need some instruction. I need the Lord to use me as a willing vessel. And church, I want to tell you this morning... God didn't just create you to just run around and do work. That is not why the Lord created you. The Lord created you for relationship first and foremost. Come on, I can tie it back to our kids. How many times y'all heard me say this? Did you have kids so that they can grow up and be doctors and lawyers and take care of you when you get older and all this? I was fair to say anybody in here would say, no, that's not why I had children. If you did, come talk to me after service. I'm going to talk to you about salvation. You had children for relationship, did you not? Now, I know they became a little smart alecks and all that at about the age of 10 and everything else, and you want to pinch the little heads off and all that fun stuff. They were so sweet whenever they were in diapers. You had them for relationship. Church, that's why the Lord created you for relationship first. And through relationship, because He loves you so much, He'll use you for the furtherance of His kingdom. But He don't need you. But He wants to use you because He created you. Amen? Just like you want relationship with your kids. Amen. I you still desire relationship with your children, your grandchildren, no matter how old they get. You still desire that intimacy. That's why the Lord created you. Don't get it mixed up. It's relationship first. And out of relationship comes right and proper works. Amen. The Bible tells us, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers ye also. But it doesn't come that we're trying to earn something. It comes because we have a heartfelt desire out of love to begin to conduct those works. Amen. Y'all still with me today? I'm all over the place here this morning. The apostle Paul continued and knew all this and he walked by faith. And that's why he was so strong in the faith, amen? The Apostle Paul had been taken into bondage in the city of Jerusalem. And as he was taken into bondage, this actually ended his third and last missionary journey. The Pharisees and the Sadducees both had come together, and they began to talk about Paul. They began to talk about his attack on their religion. And all of their laws and all of their ways, and especially about his promotion and his faith and his trust in a man that they thought was dead, that Paul and all the other believers were said he once was dead, but he's alive. amen. He's still alive, hallelujah. And if they thought he was dead and they couldn't see him, all they had to do was talk to one of these believers and they would see maybe we can't lay our eyes upon him, but he is still alive because he's still coming through the hearts and lives of these Christians that we talk to. That's why they were called Christians because all they could do, hallelujah, was talk about Jesus Christ. It was in their speech, it was in their life, it was in their communication. And so they sent him to a city on the coast called Caesarea, It was a city very similar to Joppa. Y'all remember that Jonah, whenever he fled from the Lord, he went down to a coastal city called Joppa. But Caesarea was north of Joppa, and it was a very large city at that time. They sent him from Jerusalem over to be tried over in Caesarea. And there was a governor, there was a man that was over the city, and his name was Felix. And Felix had admiration with the Apostle Paul. In fact, the Bible tells us that he began to speak with him. He began to have communion with him. We see this in Acts chapter 24 when it tells us this in verse 24 and 22. And it says, And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, Why, Elias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion, a guard, to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, freedom, church, that we were singing about this morning, that he should forbid none of his acquaintances to minister or to come unto him. And after certain days, verse 24, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jew, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning his faith in Christ. Can you communicate your faith? Paul, come forward, and I want you to tell me about your faith. Not only what you believe, but what you trust. As you stand here in bondage before me, tell me about your faith. In verse 25, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go your way for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for you. So we see that Paul would come in and Paul would begin to communicate his faith. I am reminded of the situation. Remember John the Baptist, he's he's actually put in bondage with Herod. And because he called out Herod and said, You were married to your brother's sister and you should not be married to her. It is an abomination. And he spoke this publicly. So because of this, Herod put John the Baptist in bondage. He put him in a cell. But the Bible says that almost daily that Herod would come down there and he would begin to talk with Paul. And it says he was moved upon his very heart. He would hear truth. He would experience. He would weep. He would cry just like this man. He says that he would begin to tremble. But the Bible tells us that just like Herod, he would have this to say, I want you to go and I will call upon you in another day, another time when it is convenient for me. No doubt that the Apostle Paul had asked him the question, where are you in your faith? Where are you truly in what you believe? Not in how you look, not in where you are, not in what you're doing, but in your heart of hearts have you answered that major question, where are you in your faith? The Bible answers this for us in his faith. It tells us in verse 26, it says, he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So even though he knew it was truth, even though he trembled within himself. Even though he would hear him, he would not act on what was occurring, what he was hearing, and what he was experiencing. Church, I bear to say this today, we oftentimes are in this exact same condition in our society. We hear truth. We know it's truth. We see it upon others. We feel it. But yet within ourselves, we say... Another day, perhaps another moment. Church, we have to answer this major question first before we can ever progress any further. Everything hinges on this question above all first. He had a love of money and he sought to get a bribe from other Christians, which they never would give in. Thank the Lord. And because of this, the Apostle Paul, the greatest believer walking in his day, was shut up in a cell so that no one else could hear him but this man who chose not to believe. He was shut up for two full years. But after this, another man, as it tells us, by the name of Festus, actually became the governor of Caesarea. And it tells us that he also wanted to hear Paul. But just like Felix before him, he heard Paul, he entertained Paul, but he never actually answered that great question as the gospel of Jesus Christ was presented to him also. He never actually answered that major and overriding question, the question of his life. And he fell into the very same category. Another man with power, just like Felix. A man with authority. A man with position. He fell into the very same circumstance as Felix before him. So we see Felix and we see Festus falling into the very same condition. But then it comes to a point to where the Apostle Paul says, I want to appeal and I don't just want to speak to anyone. I want to speak to Caesar myself. For I am half Roman citizen. I am half Jew and I believe I should have this right. There was a man who was actually called Herod at that time, and Herod was actually the governor of all of Israel at that time. And his name was King Agrippa. And so Agrippa also heard about Paul and had heard about the great works of the Christians. And so King Agrippa also in chapter 26 also wants to hear from the apostle Paul himself. And the Apostle Paul, as he is brought before King Agrippa, begins to have the same testimony that he has spoke previously to Felix and to Festus. He does not change his testimony. He does not change his speech. And I want to tell you the reason it did not change, even though freedom looked like it was right in his grasp, is because he did not walk by the physical circumstances. He walked instead by faith. And his faith kept him consistent, church, through all the hardships, all the trials, all the tribulations, all the bondages, all those things that man and the enemy should put upon him. It was his faith that kept him consistent and kept his testimony the same in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Church, that we all should be so constant, amen, in our walk with the Lord instead of up on the mountaintop down in the valley, up on the roller coaster down in the valley, amen. Amen. That we all should be so constant in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It was his faith that kept him there through the provision of the Lord. He never chose to step out and use his position and step out of God's strength and power. But he begins to give his testimony in verse 12 of chapter 26. After he says, I have been done wrong, he begins to go into his testimony in verse 12. He says, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. He's talking about his previous life here. When church, he began to persecute, hunt, and have Christians killed. If you think God can't use you, amen. Moses and Paul were both murderers, amen. Abraham was an idol maker. Can the Lord use me? Absolutely, he can use me. Trust me, if he can use Joey Mack, he can use anybody. And verse 13 says this, And at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the the sun shining round about me, and then which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest you me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Kicking against the pricks is what they would put for the horses. And whenever they were trying to kick back, it was something that would put behind them that would have little spikes. And whenever they would kick back, trying to kick back, they would actually kick the pricks and it would hurt their feet. So they would stop kicking. Amen. He uses this analogy with the Apostle Paul saying, it's pretty hard to kick against the pricks, which is what you have been doing in your own strength, in your own walk. In verse fifteen, and I said, "Who are you, Lord?" And he said, "I am Jesus, whom you persecute, my Lord." But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose—to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which you have been, which you have seen, and of those in which I will appear unto you. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness. Church, this is why I preach so much on darkness and light. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins an inheritance amongst them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So we see the Apostle Paul here talking about when he was blinded. The Bible tells us actually when it happened that he was knocked off of his horse, amen, and he became blinded. He became blinded and he couldn't see for several days until his vision actually come back unto him. Verse 19 says this, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the truth that was revealed unto me. Church, I did not ignore what God spoke unto me. But I showed first upon them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent And turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing, both to the small and to the great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that He should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spoke for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself with much learning, and all this does make you mad. Church, let me ask you, have you ever been called crazy because of your relationship with Jesus Christ? I have about every Sunday they call me crazy. I don't care. God called us to be a witness. You know what witnesses do? They testify. They testify of what I've seen, what I've heard, what I experienced. You may read it in a book, but hallelujah, I was there, amen. I was there. I know. I experienced it. I have it. I am a witness, hallelujah, of those things. Can't no one ever tell me differently. I was there. I experienced it myself. Hallelujah. Truth. A witness. We testify. Festus calls him mad. He says, you're totally crazy. Paul just pretty much ignores him. Paul doesn't come back and say a big retort. Look at how he responds to him in verse 25. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. <laughs> I like that. I was drunk in the world. I was in darkness. But now, I'm sober. I'm sober to the reality. I'm sober to the truth. I'm sober, hallelujah, to the goodness and to the greatness and the joy of my Savior, hallelujah. I'm sober to these things. Verse 26, For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Now look at how he brings Agrippa to a place of decision. He begins to hit at the very truth to this king and says, King... None of this was done in a corner. None of this has been done in secret. Us Christians have been running for about 30, 40 years right here. None of this has been done in secret. I bear to say to you, even though you're a king, you know and you have heard of this also. This is not the first time that you are hearing this truth. In verse... 27 says this the question we've been getting to this whole sermon King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Church, do you really believe everything in this book? I'm going to tell you this morning your life. Your actions in your life would mirror that if you really believed it. He asked him, Do you believe my testimony? Do you believe what the prophets have spoken about Jesus Christ? Do you believe that we were created in a garden that everything was perfect? you believe that we chose sin over relationship with God? And mankind was cast out of the garden. And as we were cast out of the garden, there was a great wall. There was distance between God. The relationship could never be what it once was. And sin within us, we began to be bent towards sin. We had a desire. We had a lust. We had a craving to do what we want to do. And what fulfilled us, what fulfilled this flesh, all these desires was totally contrary to God. And we began to walk in that. We began to manifest ourselves in that. And it got so bad that every thought that mankind did just spoke about evil continually. But God says, I'm going to bring a flood. And as He brought a flood, He brought the flood and He washed it out. And as He walked out of that ark, amen, He looked and everything that was against God was new again. It was new. But the sin nature... Continued to live in mankind, and to begin to take control once more. And there was a man by the name of Abraham that God spoke to. He called him by the name Abraham. Abraham. Get thee up from thy father's house and go out into a place that I have called you to go. Everywhere you put your foot, I've given it to you by faith. I want you to get up and I want you to go. You don't know where you're going, but I want to tell you your name is Abram right now. You are father of none, but it's going to be called Abraham, father of many. For your descendants is going to be like the sands of the earth. You're not even going to be able to even count all those things. And the man went and God... Gave him, hallelujah, finally a son of promise a son that was brought not by natural circumstances, but a woman by the age of 90 who could not conceive. A man that was a hundred years old had brought laughter, hallelujah, had brought joy, had brought Isaac into their lives. And we know that Isaac was born. He began to live. And we know that he had a couple of sons, Jacob and Esau. And we know that Jacob was the chosen one because as Brother Cobb had just mentioned, Esau sold off his birthright. And we know that God began to move the covenant within him. And so much to the point that he took his sons and he called them the 12 tribes of Israel, no more being called, amen, Jacob, but now being called Israel, Prince of God. And the prophets began to speak about that there would be a man, there would be a tender reed, there would be one that would be born, it would be the very Son of God. And He would come down here and He would live this perfect life and He would suffer persecution for us and He would win the victory for us. He would do all these things for us. He would give us joy. He would give us expectation. He would do works that no man had ever seen before. And He would be called Jesus. He would be called Emmanuel. He would be called the Savior of all mankind. He would be the Messiah. He would be the King of all kings. He would be the Lord of all lords. Agrippa, do you believe what all the prophets have spoken about? Church, do you believe believe their testimony? Their witness? Do you believe it? I'm a witness here before you. Is what the Apostle Paul was saying. I've seen God. He's even taken me up into the third heaven and I've seen things I can't even speak of. That He's coming back. That right now He's the God of grace, but one day He's going to be the God of judgment. And if you don't believe right now, it's going to be too late for you in the hour of perdition. Do you believe? Well, Brother Joey, what's that getting me by believing? Church, Everything. First off is power over death, hell, and the grave. Who wants to die? Who's afraid of death? Ever since we got through out of the garden on our heads, death has been following us. No matter how great you are, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how wonderful you are, it doesn't matter. Time catches up to you, and it's just a matter of time. No matter how much you have, and you have accumulated, you are going to die one day. Death is going to find you. But the Bible tells us That when we believe the prophets, whenever we have faith in the Lord, the Bible tells us it all hinges on that. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you shall confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, that He's dead no more. For the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you believe, the Bible tells us that you shall have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Hallelujah. John 3.16 For the wages of sin is death, but the goodness of God. Hallelujah. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 and 23 We shall never die. Hallelujah. Through faith in the Lord. Believing what the prophets have said. The Bible tells us that we shall be forgiven. Church, our relationship with the Lord was in such a place of being enemies, it was such in a place of enmity that we just hated to be told what to do. We hated God's governance. We hated His laws. We were in a place of enmity. But the Bible tells me that when I have faith in what the prophets have said, when I have faith in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Bible tells me that if I confess my sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Church, He truly forgives me. Hallelujah. 1 John 1 and 9. He doesn't hold it against me. There's not a grudge. He forgives me. The Bible also tells me that through this faith, through believing the prophets, that I don't have to fight and try and live this Christian walk, this Christian life in this old hard vessel of sin anymore. The Bible tells me that if I'm in Jesus Christ, that old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Church, I have been given a new heart. I don't have to live this life as the old sinful joy they couldn't have lived in anyway I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus therefore my mind has been renovated I have a new heart I have a new attitude I have a new desire By believing in what the prophets have said as he's asking Agrippa, I have this available unto me, amen? God has made me a new creation. I can be like David in Psalms 51 and 10 where David says, Oh God, create in me a new heart. Create in me a clean heart, oh Lord God. Church, I have a new heart that beats For the things of the Lord. It beats for you that I never cared about before. It beats for the kingdom. It beats for the lost. It beats for the hurting. It beats for the dying. It beats now for the things of the Lord because I have believed the testimony of the prophets. Hallelujah. Church, God has given us peace that surpasses all human understanding. Philippians 4 and 7. The storm rages around us. The world is ending. The economy is upside down. Everything is crazy around us. But you know what? It is crazy, but I have peace. Not peace that man gives. Man can't give any peace. Man has no control. God has given me peace through believing the testimony of the prophets. Hallelujah that's in a Savior, that's in a Redeemer, that's in a God, hallelujah, that I serve, hallelujah. Church, God has given us the abundant life. Amen? Jesus would say unto the sheep, I am the door. If any man enters by me, he shall go in and out and find pastor. The thief doesn't come but to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. John 10, 9 and 10, amen? I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I've come that you not only have eternal life, you not only have forgiveness, you not only have a new heart, you not only have peace that surpasses all understanding, but you shall have a life of abundance that just overflows and overflows and overflows. Hallelujah! That's the God we serve. Because I have believed The testimony of the prophets that fall unto a Savior. But Agrippa would have this to say, verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. Church, did I almost persuade you this morning? Felix, Festus, and Agrippa were all men of authority, were all men of power. They were the masters of their world. You may not be a person of authority, you may not be a person of power, but I want to tell you, you really are the master of your world. You don't have to. Were you persuaded today to be a true follower of the Lord? Come on, I'm not talking to you. I, Brother Joey, I've been here 30 years. So what? Who cares? Good for you. All that matters is what's in your heart. You're not on a pedestal. I've talked to people that sometimes were deacons, and they wouldn't. They figured out later on they wasn't saved. I'm serious. I've, I heard a story about a youth pastor that on his third time the youth camp taking the kids, he got saved because God revealed to him what was in his heart, not what was being portrayed on the outside. It's tragic that these three men, and you can throw Herod in there, were so close, but still missed the mark. Church, don't let it be you. Amen? Come on, would you stand with us this morning? I'm ask the worship team to come back for a few moments. Until you can answer this question, question you cannot proceed any further in your relationship this is the most important question above all those other questions getting married everything else in your in your life those are important questions but they're not as important as this question do you believe the testimony of the prophets do you believe in our lord and savior jesus christ Do you have faith in Him this morning? I want to open up these altars to you today as always. Come on, these are your altars, they're not mine. This is your altar. This is a gathering place, it's a meeting place between you and the Lord. It's a place where you come and just begin to speak to Him, you begin to pray to Him, you step out by faith. Would you come this morning? I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe this message was specifically for you. Maybe the Lord told you today, you are not where you think you are in me. Would you come this morning as they begin to play? Come on, let's enter into His presence one more time. from me great today. Lord, you continue just to pour out, Lord, your goodness, your greatness, your kindness, your mercy, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, let's give him some praise today.
1: Church, you ready to let...